This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. We are in the area of, of corona epidemic and people are reaching out to me from throughout the world. What should I do now? How should I go on with my dating life? How do I progress to the next stage? So I decided to put together a beautiful uh, sheer tonight in which I'll take you in a progression from start to finish. We are in a time now when many singles find themselves with a lot of time. So what should I do with this time? Um, let, let me give you some great tips. How do I make the most of my single days? And that is like this. Life now is a process of self-actualization. Some may marry young and experience more of their growth in marriage. Other of, uh, Others like myself, I was an older single when I got married, will develop themselves as singles, preparing to meet the right person. Number one, commit to optimism. That's so important. Now is the time to take on a very optimistic uh, you know, attitude. Aside from being very attractive on a date, a positive attitude creates the confidence that you have much to offer the world beyond marriage. It's so important, especially when I talk to the guys. One of the key things that a girl is looking for is a guy that's confident, that he has a plan, the man with the plan. It'll be contagious to those around you, and especially when you're dealing with an individual on the other side of the camera or the telephone. If they can sense that you're confident, it'll come in handy, especially in the date, and certainly when you get married. Next, what I'd like for you to work on in this time period is the power of you. Whether you take classes now online, whether you take up books, or Musa books or self-growth books, you've never had more of a golden opportunity than now. Personal reflection time is greater. Take this opportunity in this corona quarantine era to deepen your understanding of who you are and who you want to become. Clarify the type of home you'd want to create. Now's the time to give thought to a lot of this. And the type of spouse that can best balance you. Identify the qualities of character and midos that you'd like to build or refine in order to become the best version of yourself. Next, self-care. That's so important. Keep yourself at peak performance by eating right. Exercise, which you can do indoors, and I've been trying to do that myself as well. Make sure you get crucial enough sleep. You'll feel better all day and have more energy for dating. Like it or not, when you're single, weight and appearances seem to matter more. Sorry guys, this goes for you too. So if you're carrying a tire from excess weight or excess drinking, now's the time to t- shed some of those pounds. Internal tune-up. Another area of self-care is your mental, emotional, and psychological state. Even though it's being taxed, to the max in this time period. But nevertheless, now's the time to really focus on sperm or books or self-help books that can really help you to become the best you. If you struggle with low self-esteem, let's work on it now. Fears, anxieties about marriage, unresolved anger issues, chemical imbalances, chas v'shalom. Now's the time to reach out to people. Many people are getting help, you know, virtually with therapists, with dating mentors like myself. So feel free, if you have any questions on dating or relationships, or you need help with Shatchanas, you can always reach out to me at 305-206-1916. I'll, I'll tell you how it operates, I'll give you an appointment, and we'll get to work. It could be from anywhere in the world. The only thing marriage cures is that is being single. It doesn't cure your emotional baggage. So make sure that you have the opportunity to address it, now would be a great opportunity. Develop your giving muscles. We've never had a greater opportunity now to help so many worthy causes and so many individuals, especially those who have lost work. And that's great, because giving is the shorish of Ahava, which is Hav, which is to give. Budget. Learn to, and ask yourself, can I live on a budget and make sure that you know how to construct one? Follow your dreams. Aside from marriage, what are your dreams? Now's the time to give thought to that. 
Don't put them off. There's no time like now to develop a list of what I'd like to do for the future. Plan. If you have been dreaming or traveling or going back to school or taking that cooking class, hopefully in Hashem, when all this pandemic leaves us and it's behind us, then go for it. If you fear those pursuits may limit your dating options, don't worry. You'll probably be only be filtering people who wouldn't have been good for you anyway. Life is short and will only get more distracting. So make tracks now and create the life you want to live and live life to the fullest. I'll never forget Dvar Torah, the Rebbe friend, said about Rav Shamsha Rafael Hirsch. You've got, oh, he said, he told his Gabbai when he was his mid-90s, pack the bags, we're going to go check out the Swiss Alps. The Gabbai was a little bit, you know, taken aback. Rabbi Hirsch, you want to go to the Swiss Alps now? So Rabbi Hirsch answered him beautifully. When I leave this world after 120 years and Hashem asks me, Rabbi Shamshin, did you see my gorgeous world? Did you see the beautiful Swiss Alps? What answer would I have for him? So it's a short world, it's a short life. Try to pack it in with as much as you can. Be productive, positive and purposeful. That's so important. In every stage of life, you'll always have opportunities. Using your time wisely now while you're single will help you become what you, who you need to be. Let's use this time in the most productive time to work on ourselves and our attitudes to develop our dreams and our goals, which will lead us to, in the shortest journey to our destiny. Now, what are 10 tips we can use to make this, this era of visual dating and telephone dating successful? Now, get to know yourself. Before you start the visual dates, I've been training a lot of people recently on the phone, especially on, on WhatsApp, and how to date visually. I've been practicing with a lot of people. Take time before the date to review your mindset and goals. What do I want to get out of this date? Are you ready for commitment? Don't bother going on dates for marriage if you're not there for com- to commit. Are you clear about the kind of person that will make a proper life partner? Have you developed your top 10 needs list of what you need in an individual? If you're a girl... You have to write down things like, does he have a Rebbe? Is he growing spiritually? Is he kind? Is he generous? Does he have any anger issues? Is he inflexible? Is he emotionally available and stable? And like, and if you're a guy, you want a girl who's developed, who's sharing, who's caring, who's patient. So that's important. It's dangerous and common for people to attempt changing who they are or their most important aspirations for life to accommodate the other person. Make sure you are yourself don't pretend to become someone else and be or act as someone else. You'll live a happier life if you start this stage with clarity. Number two, make sure that even though you're on a visual date, although if you're on a telephone date, it doesn't matter, but if you're on a video date, make sure you dress for success. I had someone on the phone today who's probably on a, virtu- a virtual or video date right now, and I say to him, Jason, make sure that you're wearing a beautiful suit, a starched shirt and a nice tie. You've got to make a great impression. Attitude, whether or not you're looking forward to the date is not relevant. Some people say, well, I don't think she's for me, I really don't think she's for me, or he's for me. Nevertheless, you have to come in with a great attitude. The vibe that you'd rather be in some other place is a virtual date killer. Be open, be positive, and be present in the moment. Remembering that even if you never see that person again, they deserve your undivided attention, respect, and interest on the date. If you're going through a difficult time in your life, which is not related to dating, consider taking a short break from this dating time to ensure that you don't misrepresent yourself and give yourself a bad reputation as an individual who has a poor mood or a bad attitude. That's the last thing you would want for that to circulate around. For those dating hours, leave the stresses of your life behind so you can be present and enjoy. So I was helping someone today and he was yawning and preparing for a date that he had tonight. I said, you better go get yourself a double shot of cappuccino. You may even surprise yourself and have a good time on the date. 
<clears throat> Avoid controversial and confrontational topics. The first impression you leave should be a great impression. You never get a second chance to make a great first impression. Topics such as politics or ex-relationships can be dangerous. Never speak about this. It's so important. I was on the phone with someone overseas a couple of days ago, and she wanted to go ahead and you know spill the beans about some things that happened in other relationships prior to the one that she's in right now, and she's engaged. I said, there's no reason to even go there. You're only going to create fakers or doubts in the other person's mind. Don't do it. There's always room to discuss things later on should the opportunity arise. Emphatic opinions early on, if you take, on, if you take harsh, you know, uh, extreme opinions, may cast you as an individual who's argumentative, disagreeable, or inflexible. And that's not the kind of attitude you should be displaying or the reputation that you'd like to have developed about you. You also don't want to say something that's hurtful or condescending about any group of people. And stay away from Lashon Hara, one of which may be sitting in front of you. You never know their background or where they come from. Finally, it's a good idea to avoid negative talk about dating. You shouldn't say things like, I don't like dating or I'm burned out from dating, because the vibe that you're going to send out is that you're an individual who's negative. Nobody enjoys the stress and pain of being single, so no need to beat that dead horse. Show interest when you're on the date. And that's important. Show up as yourself, and very important, ask Hashem to help you. Ask for clarity, ask for direction, so that you should know that after you finish the date, if this person is the right one. So that's the proper hakdamo, the introduction into going into these dates. Now people ask me, what should I be talking about? So I broke it down into three stages. What should I be talking about? Okay, date number one. You're on a video date, you're on a telephone date. Number one. It's going to be pretty broad, pretty superficial, but we have to establish a yesod or a base, and from there we build the pyramid which becomes more finer and finer. Number one, Jewish geography. Where do you live? Where were you born? What shul do you attend? Do your parents attend? Uh, tell me a little bit about your family and your educational background. What are you currently doing with your life? That could, that's a 15-20 minute operation right there. If you're in school, if you're working, do you enjoy your work? Do you see yourself there 10 years from now? Tell me about your friends, your social network. How long have you known them? Are they from yeshiva? Are they from seminary? Are they, do they go back with you since you were in elementary school? What do you look for in a friend? What midah do you look for in a friend? What do you like to do for fun? What music do you enjoy? What books do you like to read? Do you travel? What do you like to do with your spare time? The person you mo- Who's the person you most admire? And how does that person inspire you? Who's your role model in life? How do you look up to them? What interests you? And what are you, why are you drawn to those interests? What's your favorite hobby? What appeals to you? Describe the most satisfying achievement of your life. That's a good one. I like to always repeat that one when I train people. Tell me an accomplishment that really that you feel great about. Something that you really feel changed you and that helped you. Is there something you've dreamed of doing for in, in a long time and you think you'll be able to do it? Share an interesting article you've read and your reaction to it. Ask the person, what's the best vacation you ever took and why was it so great? And what's the most interesting experience you ever had at work or school? And here I want to make a point that I told someone today, especially for the guys. Make sure you don't hog the conversation. And that the most important thing you can do, especially for the girl, is to let her come out of her zone by asking lots of questions and showing an interest. Excellent eye contact is critical. And that can go for the girls as well, but make sure that there's a proper give and take and that you're not hogging the conversation. Some people find it easier to mentally review the content of the conversations before they go out. I'm a very big believer and advocate for this particular concept right here. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
Try to develop your content in advance of what you want to talk about. Include in there a cute story, maybe five minutes, as well as a Devar Torah or two, which you feel would be you know, insightful and have a great lesson to teach. If you find yourself monopolizing again the conversation, stop and start asking questions. It's okay if, the, if you get off track a little bit, as long as there's good flow between both of you. Stage two, what goes on in date number two? Or maybe date number three, if you didn't have all the time to, to address all of the topics that I just told you. Let's move forward as we progress in the dates. Let's ask questions like the following. What was it like growing up in your hometown with your family? What interesting tradition did your family have that you really look back to fondly? An experience that influenced you to make a change in your life or a decision about the future. What you think is your greatest strength. What's your greatest strength? What's your best meter? What meter are you working on to improve that you'd like to see much better? Is it patience? Is it anger? Is it arrogance? Where, where do you see yourself in five years and ten years? And how do you hope to get there? What do you feel you really need to work on before you can achieve your full potential? How do you feel about being Jewish? That's a very good question, especially in this time period. What are your feelings about Eretz Yisrael, Israel, versus about where you live now? Would you like to ever live there? And if you're in learning, would you consider learning there for a year or two? If you've spent time in Israel, what that experience was like and how it affected you. If you're in yeshiva, discuss what it was like to live there. What it was like to share an apartment. Your relationships with your rebbe's. If you were in seminary, talk about your favorite subjects. Who are your favorite teachers in rebbeim and rebbetzins? What was it like in taking, taking tiyulim when you went through the country? The experience or thought process that led you to how you got religious. When did you feel most closest to Hashem and why? Your taste in food, clothing, furniture, art and music is all apropos for date number one or date number two. How do you get along with different personalities? That's important. How would you react if someone embarrassed you in a public setting like a restaurant? Would you fight back? Would you get angry? Or would you learn how to walk away from it? Things that get you angry or depressed. Something that fascinates or excites you. Okay, you've now gotten to know the person a little bit more. You've had second dates. And I hope, if it's possible, that there's a medium of the shatchan there that's so important. I dealt with someone yesterday who was trying to get married for the second time. Unfortunately, he's divorced with, with a few children. And he's asking me a question. Like, I'm not sure. I've had several video dates with the woman. But I'm not sure how it's going. I'm not sure if she's liking me or if she's, it's just perpetuating on because she's being nice and considerate. So I said to him, is there a shatran? And he said, no. And, he said, and I said to him, that's the problem. When there's a third party there, there's a lot of FBI information that can be collected from both sides. I especially like to do this when I act as a shatran. So I can determine what's the guy feeling? What are his concerns? What's the girl feeling? What are her concerns? Oftentimes, a good shatran can flatten a rock down from the road and flatten it so that the progress can continue. Sometimes he picks up, he or she picks up on something which is a, a negative quality that he thinks that the relationship, he, he or she feels the relationship may not make it. So it's so nice to have a shotgun involved because they help direct the relationship. They help move it and you know, take it further. Whereas unfortunately on their own, unfortunately individuals, especially now with video dating, it helps to have sort of a, a, an individual on the side pushing things along to help, you know, fan the fire of the relationship and to try to promote it in the most, and, and magnify the great qualities of both people, given that they're there. 
So, stage three, moving on to even le- higher level of discussion, more advanced conversation. It's going well, now you need to even get into more deeper discussion. Remember, if you're going to succeed in dating, you've got to develop emotional connectivity or emotional intimacy. You've got to be able to be able to v- be vulnerable and expose your vulnerability, which means you've got to get into the other person's soul and let them into your soul as well. So provide more details in day three or four about your family, including the different personalities of family members and the differences between your respective families. A description of how you envision Shabbos and holidays in your home. Try talking about things that impressed you in your house growing up or in the different homes you visited for Shabbos. Share what you liked about other families, other homes that you visited and had meals by. Your friendships. Let's talk about your friendships and explore that even more. A challenge you've dealt with. Why was it difficult for you to face and how you dealt with it? That's letting the person into your life. If you've had that challenges in adolescence, challenges, God forbid, in health, challenges with family, let the person in on it, especially if you were able to overcome that challenge. Show them how you became a better person from it. You can frame it in a positive way and say, you know what, as a result of the fact that I fell, Chana tells us, I got up and I elevated myself even higher. All our challenges in life prepare us for greatness in our character. So you can share a challenge with someone and show them that how you overcame it and as a result, how it made you a stronger, better individual. Share a moral dilemma you faced, why it was difficult for you to resolve and how you resolved it. Your belief in Hashem and how you felt this, His guidance in your life. Share a story of Siyata Dishmaya, how Hashem helped get you to a great college, how He helped you find that fantastic apartment, how He got you into that seminary. Show the individual that yes, that Hashem is alive and viable within you. The role that doing acts of kindness plays in your life. That's a critical point. What acts of kindness are you doing? What chesed are you performing? What organizations are you volunteering for? Now's the time to really pick up the ball on that. How would you like to raise children? The same way your parents raised you? Or do you have different ideas about it? Do you have more tolerant ideas? How would you discipline your children? The same way your parents did it with you? Or would you do it differently? Now's the time as you get further into into the dating progression to develop these areas and flush them out. How do you deal with time pressure? The potential you believe you have, how you hope to utilize it, and how honest you are about evaluating your potential. Let that person know about your potential, what you dream of doing, what your aspirations and goals are. And do it with passion, a little bit of drama. Your expectations about the standard of living you'd like to have when you're married, your sources of income, your attitudes about spending and saving money, following a budget and giving to charity. Unfortunately, I, I had a client who reached out to me last year from Europe, who didn't give much attention to this area when she was dating. The marriage lasted about six months in terms of there was a disparity between the lifestyle he desired and the lifestyle she desired. Within seven months, he had racked up, the husband had racked up $150,000 of debt because he had to get away every third Shabbos to a hotel. And they were on all her name. So let's be, make sure we do due diligence in that area. And let's discuss the manner in which you'd like to share household responsibilities, including childcare, especially if both of you are planning on working, which is the common norm today. That's the paradigm. Next, as you get closer, you now need to develop a psyche of we're becoming one. And not only that, you need to be able to share certain words with that. We're looking, we're now going into say date seven, date eight, nine, or ten, depending on how deep you were able to get into the relationship early on. But you've got to be able to use the, the following words. You need to convey to the other individual that you have feelings for them. And you need to do it in a modest fashion, but you've got to be able to say things like, I enjoy talking to you because of. I enjoy spending time with you because of. 
You make me smile because of. I laugh when you say a joke because I enjoy it. I want to be able to spend more time with you. I feel encouraged by you. I see a future with us. I'm talking about when you're advanced in the process of dating. I really, I especially love the ideas you have when it comes to school or etc. I value you. The individual needs to know when you're at the end of the spectrum and you're now getting much farther into the dating process that they are valued by you and you need to be able to verbalize. If you can't communicate it, then it's a real deficiency. It's a, a serious problem. That other person needs to hear those kind of verbs. You've got to be able to navigate from the safety of your letter I, of yourself, to the uncertainty of we. We're used to making our own decisions when we're single, spending money the way you like, using your own time and resources in the manner you see fit. Now if you get married, that will all change. Is that scary? Perhaps. Your decisions on time won't be your own. Will you lose yourself in marriage? What if you don't like who you become? Now, that's the journey that we go down in marriage. Society has us believing that many dating options leave the world wide open. In reality, even a single with many options comes home to an empty house without the love and support and nurturing of a spouse. I'd rather have B than A. We can only win if we play. The only way we can begin to build is when we, we journey away from the safety of I, from the safety of I, to the uncertainty of we. Let's take on that whole concept of we. Think we. Does that involve growing pains? Growing pains? Most certainly, yes. Yeah, what is the alternative? If you have confidence that this person is worth building a life with, then you have exponentially more to gain together than apart. Would you like to live your life single? If you learn that you're not with a pawn whom you can build, painful as it may be, it may better, be better to learn that up front and move on. We can only win if we play together. The only way we can begin to build a home is when we journey away from the safety of I to the unsafety of we. How do I make that transition, ladies and gentlemen, from I to we? How do I start thinking as a team of myself and a co-captain versus myself? Okay, here's what you do. When you're involved in the relationships, share thoughts and feelings you may not share with anyone else. I always ask this to my students and clients when they ask me about when it, questions about how their relationship is going. So I say to them, are you sharing your most intimate thoughts with that person? Given you've gone out or spoken with them a lot of times, they should really get to know you, know, know what's important to you, know what your dreams and goals are. Are you willing to confidently take a risk with this person? It's all about taking educated risks. Are you, are you able to trust that person will have your back in time of need? And this has been flushed out through a lot of conversation. Developing together as a team to create a partnership. These are the thoughts you want to have in your head. Can you be vulnerable without worry of judgment that the other person won't judge you? Can you accept the influence of another person in your life and show openness to navigating in an unfamiliar way? Are you willing to put the greater needs of the relationship before your personal needs? That's a fantastic demonstration of someone that's ready to get married. He thinks of the other person before themselves. Looking at how your differences can be complementary. Yes, as I've said last week, I gave a lecture on Shalom Bias and how important it is for us to develop that area. There will always be areas of lack of compatibility between you and the spouse. Our actually, top scientists tell us there's always 10 areas of incompatibility between a husband and a wife. And that's okay, because there's hundreds if not thousands of areas that you agree on. So there's always going to be things you disagree on. That doesn't mean that there's a problem. Begin to look and think like a couple, keeping the other person constantly in mind. If you look at your proudest successes, you'll see that they were all built on hard work and perseverance. Dating is no different. Relationships are no different. It is always easier to take the easy way out, to just say no and walk away. 
It's rather, it may be easier, but is that in your best interest? May we all have the strength by Azza Hashem to continue progress as we look to become that we individual. Now can I share a beautiful story with you? There was a story printed in the Army magazine about a boy whose name was Yosef who got kicked out of yeshiva at 16 years old. With a lot of free time on his hands and still bitter about the experience of having been kicked out of yeshiva, he started a blog on the internet uploading dozens of pictures and videos of himself and writing a post about why he thought yeshiva was a total waste of time, a total waste of energy, and a total waste of money. He even made an impassioned plea for others on his blog to leave learning, leave yeshiva. He would also write about his dreams in life, including a fantasy scuba diving trip to Australia's Great Barrier Reef. Any thoughts that he had would also enter, assuming no one would ever read it anyway. So he would just pipe away on this blog. There were some very negative comments towards Yiddishkeit on that blog. One day after a year and a half of in-and-out, low-paying jobs that he had, Yosef bumped into Rabbi Goldstein, who was one of his rabbis in high school that he really liked. The rabbi took him out for pizza and told him about a new yeshiva in Israel that had just opened for boys. Yosef told the rabbi, I'm not interested in going, forget about it. No yeshiva for me. The rabbi then asked Yosef to tell him about one of his dreams. Tell me, Yosef, Rabbi Goldstein said, what is one of your dreams? Yosef replied, one of my best and most aspiring dreams would be to go to Australia and scuba dive in the Great Barrier Reef. Suddenly an amazing thing happened. Rabbi Goldstein looked at him and said, I'll make you a deal, Yosef. If you try this yeshiva in Israel for 10 days, I'll send you to the Great Barrier Reef. All expenses paid. Yosef was thrilled with the offer. He shook the rabbi's hand in agreement. He went home, he packed his bags for 10 days in Eretz Yisrael, and then he expected to follow through right after 10 days in Israel to get on a plane and get to Australia. After a week in Israel, Yosef got a call from Rabbi Goldstein who asked him which day he wanted to fly to Australia because the rabbi was intent on keeping his part of the deal and going ahead and booking the flight for Yosef. Yosef replied, Rabbi, you won't believe this, but I've decided to stay in yeshiva. I'm starting to see Torah learning in a whole different light. I wish I would have had known about yeshiva like, a yeshiva like this a long time ago. Rabbi Goldstein told Yosef how proud he was of him, and he said, whenever you need a break, and whenever you're ready for that trip, just call me, the, bo- the ticket will be booked for you, and it's waiting for you. Over the next year, over the next actually six years, Yosef gradually metamorphosed and changed from a reckless and rebellious teenager to a responsible and mature adult. He moved on to learn in BMG, no, play, no less, the great yeshiva of Lakewood. And then he began to try to get married. But there was a problem. His old life haunted him. He forgot his username and password for his blog. And anytime someone would set him up with a girl, father of the girl, would get on Google, and there his blog would come up black and white, about all the horrible and nasty things he wrote about, about yeshivas and the things, the diatribe, the, the horrible diatribe that he wrote about Torah and, and the vitriol that was very negative and toxic. To make matters worse, the company whose program he was using to host the blog went out of business. There was no one to contact to retrieve the login information and get the stuff off the internet. Every potential shidduch that came fell apart when the other party found out about his blog. The shachan told him, I'm sorry to tell you, but nobody wants to go near you with a 10-foot pole. You're off limits. It's like you have cancer. I can't believe, I can't even be your shotgun anymore, he told him. It's too risky for me. All of your friends are married. And all of his married friend, friends were married except for him. And the situation looked very desperate, if not bleak. He called his rabbi, his old rabbi, his friend, Rabbi Goldstein, to discuss the matter with him. And the rabbi told him, Yosef, don't worry. 
The same Hashem who found you the right yeshiva will find you the right girl. And the right shidduch will come. When the time is right. What the Shanchan says makes no difference, so don't let it bother you. It's only Hashem who runs the world. Yosef took these words to heart and began working more on his emunah. A few months later, one of his married friends suggested a shidduch, a girl named Miriam from Far Rockaway. And after meeting a few times, it became clear to Yosef that he wanted Miriam to be his wife. To his great surprise, they were engaged two weeks later. Pretty quick, Miriam's parents were well-to-do and committed themselves to supporting the new couple, learning in Israel for as long as he would want to learn in yeshiva. He had an open checkbook from Miriam's father. They had a short six-week engagement, and the entire time Yosef was hoping and praying and davening that he wouldn't find out about the blog. And guess what? This Monday is Lagba Omer, and Yosef and Miriam got married on Lagba Omer, and Yosef's past was finally put behind him. Well, so he thought. That summer, Miriam's parents came to visit in Israel, and they took them out for dinner to celebrate Yosef's birthday. During dessert, Yosef's father handed him an unexpected gift. It was a piece of paper wrapped up with a guarantee on it for an all-expense-paid trip to the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Yosef sat there with his mouth open wide. How did you know I want to go to Australia? How did you know I love scuba diving? They told him, we saw it on your blog. Yosef asked, you found out about my blog? His father replied, we know about it from the very beginning. But we heard that you changed. And we said to ourselves, everybody has something in their past. Everyone has something. No one's perfect. And tzaddik shaloch as we say, there is no tzaddik, there's no righteous man in this world that hasn't sinned. It's usually not discovered until later. I felt, in you I found somebody whose past was already discovered, and you did full tshuva. So we gave it a shot. A person should not be defined by his past, his father-in-law told him. It's the fact that he can change and grow that counts. And this is the golden opportunity that we have, ladies and gentlemen, this time when we're quarantined, to continue to work on our midos, especially when we're rubbing elbows with family members. May I share a letter that I, I thought was very interesting. Question, I'm a 26-year-old, capable and accomplished woman seeking to find a husband. No matter how much I try to prepare myself internally for marriage, it seems that for society matchmakers, media, and men, the only thing of value is external beauty. While I do try to take care of myself physically, it's not high on my priority list. I would consider myself average in looks and grooming, yet above average in intelligence, diligence, and the qualities required to raise, nurture, and run a successful family. I'm confident that if they gave me the chance, many men would appreciate my deeper qualities. Without that opportunity, I'm stuck. Any thoughts? Now we get a question from the other side. A boy or a man. I'm a 33-year-old guy, and I've been struggling in dating for quite a few years. I date wonderful women from great homes who are intelligent, from kind, pretty, warm, and capable. Yet I just can't seem to be physically attracted to them. The few women I've met that I've found attractive were not as good a good match for other reasons. I really do want to be married and see that many of my friends have found exactly what they're looking for. I come across many attractive women, yet almost no one, none has dating options. So, answer to both of them. Looks, attraction, beauty. How much weight should we give this area? Is our sifting process of whom to date that different from the beauty pageants? Haven't we simply replaced this beauty-driven search with resumes, profiles, J-Swipe, Facebook, Soyo at Sinai? Shlomo HaMelech tells us in Shira Shirim, Sheker HaChein V'Hevel Yofi, which is beauty's vanity. What does that even mean today? Has Photoshop convinced us to date people that are wrong for us while passing up good opportunities and turned out dating into, uh, turned our dating into a modern day Persian pageant as in the days of Achashverosh? Obviously men and women will process this topic very differently, yet we believe it's important for all of us to concern with the modern dating scene 
to view this from both sides so we can understand what is an increasingly central component of today's dating landscape. Okay, to the women or girls. Don't fight it, embrace it. It would be foolish to claim that this topic is a new one. Beauty and attraction have been a factor since Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve. As much as you may want to fight it, it's the reason that marriages are what they are. And marriages remain loyal. And it's a crucial ingredient in any relationship. Two, to the girls. Men want more than a pretty face. A mansion covered with peeling paint, surrounded by dead weeds and enclosed in a broken fence, would not encourage many to see the beauty that may be inside. Men want all the wonderful qualities that a woman has inside her, yet to get past the front door, there needs to be an incentive. It isn't all about looks, but there does need to be a baseline of attraction for a man to continue dating. Three, again, they're targeted to the girls. Easy changes. There's much a woman can do to enhance her beauty. Do you need to lose weight, update your makeup, heels, or simply add some color to your wardrobe? There are all sorts of online or in-person resources that can help. So that's important. An investment in this area is an investment in your future. Four, confidence is attractive. Society may want to push values and looks that are not in line with who you are and who you want to be. Stay true to yourself, my dear woman, and present your most confident self, especially, as I said, on the video and telephone chats. A warm smile, an inviting open nature, and non-judgmental confidence is extremely attractive to the boys and the men. Five, take it as a sign. Don't take it personally. Why would we ever want to date or be with someone who doesn't think you're beautiful inside and out? It would not be good for either of us, short or long term. Take it as a sign and move on to a person that wants the beautiful person you are. Beauty is subjective and there's someone for everyone. So move on. <clears throat> Next, we'd like, slide, we'd like to now discuss and direct our comments to the men. Number one, looks are important. I ne- we never suggest that looks don't matter. What we would say is that they need to be weighed in the correct, correct proportion. There are many wonderful traits that make up a woman and looks is just one of them. Personality, depth in uh, values, common values, common expectations, common goals. Putting aesthetics too high on your list of priorities will leave you wondering why you just dated a very pretty girl with absolutely nothing to talk about. If you can't get into their soul, if you can't get into their neshama, then dating for physical attraction is going to be just another example of a national inquiry marriage of a Hollywood actor to a Hollywood actress that lasts 30 or 60 days. Number two, men, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. High maintenance women come with challenges. For starters, you, we hope you have the bank account to support that kind of a woman. It's not uncommon for highly attractive women to be super, superficial and self-absorbed. Now, we're not saying across the board. There are not, these are not easy qualities to live with and don't bode well for the happiness of a marriage or proper raising of children. Number three, Comment to the men. Nobody gets everything and nobody is perfect. The full package only exists for those that have not unpacked the package. The process of achieving perfection is a life goal and one that will always remain incomplete. Since there are going to be trade-offs in life, be sure not to trade in crucial and lasting values for something that's superficial or fleeting. Four, ask smart. When researching a girl, ask about things you won't be able to see on a date. Ask about the qualities that lead to long-lasting and a happy home. Ask about, asking about looks won't get you far when you see her. Five, don't judge a book by its cover. For better or worse, it's extremely easy to get pictures of a prospective girl 
Human beings can be deep, multifaceted, emotionally complex, unexpectedly and unintelligent in all sorts of intelligent in all sorts of ways. This unique sort of the, of dimensionality and color will never be captured in a photo. Be careful not to make decisions based on photos alone, but rather ask questions about the person's personality and especially about their character and their values. Because you're now getting ready to make the biggest decision of your life. It shouldn't be based on limited and misleading information. Six, how to make your date beautiful. The most beautiful women in the world are those who are loved and cherished. The fact that a married woman belongs to a husband immediately gives her an extra allure because she's desired by her husband. That kind of a woman radiates and exudes confidence in the fact that she has a husband by her side who cares for her, believes in her, and belongs solely to her. When you can create a safe, nurturing, kind, and compassionate environment for the person you're dating, you begin to create beauty within her you may never have known was possible. Marriage is a partnership in which two very different human beings melt together to build a life, a home, and a future together. That doesn't mean their needs are the same. Women may have more emotional needs, which can be a challenge for men. Men may have more physical needs, which can be a source of stress for women. The goal of the marriage and its union should be to extend yourself out of, extend outside of yourself and meet the needs of the other person. You gotta learn to flex your relationship muscles together and strengthen the bonds that are required to build a strong home. May your future homes be filled with external and internal beauty and you may be able to be zochi and merit to be able to see the inner glow of the person that you're dating. What are ways to marry the wrong person if you didn't listen to any of the recommendations and advice that I gave you today? So let's, let's review on 10 things. You pick the wrong person to marry because you expect that person to change after they get married. That's the classic mistake. Never marry potential. The golden rule is, if you can't be happy with the person that you're dating the way they are, don't get married. Because unfortunately, psychologists tell us sometimes and oftentimes people don't grow after marriage and they only get worse. Number two, you date and marry the wrong person because you focus more on physical attraction and on character. Chemistry ignites the fire. One of the greatest things that God gave us as a gift is this concept of physical attraction. But all it is is a match. Once it's lit, how long does a match stay lit? Five, six seconds. It was meant in order for the, the man and woman to have an attraction to each other, to start the concept of wanting to date. But then from there on, you've got to go into substance and depth and build a relationship based on communication. Qualities that you should be looking for are humility. Does the person that I'm speaking to or dating do, you know, would be willing to do the right thing more than their personal comfort? If there was an individual, let's say they were, that person was received guests and there was only one bed left and it was an individual that was an important person. Would they be willing to give up their bed and sleep on the couch? Can they, give all, can they go beyond their personal comfort, kindness? Does the person that I'm dating enjoy giving pleasure to other people? Would they act nice to people that they don't have to act nice to? Responsibility. Can we depend on that person to say that they're going to do what they said they're going to do? Happiness. Does the person like themselves? Ask yourself, would I want to have kids with this person? Would I want my children to have their values? Next, you choose the wrong person because you don't share common life goals and priorities. There are three basic ways you can connect with another individual. Chemistry and compatibility is one. Sharing common interests is two. And sharing common life goals is three. Make sure you share a deep level of connection while you're dating. After marriage, the two of you will either grow together or grow apart. You've got to build that wonderful emotional connectivity while you're dating. 
Because your soulmate is your goalmate. They've got to know that your goals and their goals match. Next, you choose the wrong person because you don't have a deep emotional connection with the person. To evaluate whether you have a deep emotional connection, ask yourself, do I respect him or her? Do I admire him or her? Do I see qualities in him or her that I really look up to? Next, you pick the wrong person because you choose someone with whom you don't feel emotionally safe. This is more problems for the girls who end up with a guy who has problems in his personality, problems with his anger. That's a critical thing to check out. Someone who's emotionally unstable. Next item on the agenda, you pick the wrong person because you don't put everything on the table. If there's something bothering you about the relationship, get it out in the open. Make sure you can deal with it because now is the time when you're dating to see if you can negotiate, if you can come to a common ground on something, if you can make, you know, make charas. Make compromises. If you can't accomplish that now, you've got a serious problem. That's a red flag. That means you're going to have problems negotiating and compromising later when you're married. You pick the wrong person to date or marry because you use the relationship to escape from personal problems and unhappiness. If you are not happy and single, you'll be unhappy and married too. Marriage will not fix your personal, psychological, and emotional problems. If anything, marriage will only make them worse and exacerbate the problem. So if you're not happy with yourself now, now's the time to do something about it. Take responsibility. Talk to a therapist, a dating mentor. You'll feel better and you'll certainly give the, the marriage the boost that it needs to have the, the guarantee that it'll thrive. And lastly, you pick the wrong person to marry because they're involved in a triangle. What does that mean? To be triangulated means that the person that you're dating is not exclusively dependent on you, but they have something else going on in their life. As we know, triangle has three points. It should be, a relationship should be just two points, you and the person. But if that person has chas v'shalom an addiction, or is addicted to work, or is addicted to uh, alcohol, drugs, sports, then they're not exclusively yours. So you have to check into that. You're now at the last stage, and you may have questions, is this person right to me? I get these questions all the time when people call me up to ask me, can I discuss a relationship with you? I'd like to ask you to help me to determine if the person that I'm dating, who I'm about to engage, get engaged to, is the right person. How do I know? So here's a little bit of a checklist. Number one, ask yourself, does that person meet my needs? And do I get six out of least out of ten of my, my own top needs met? It's imperative to ensure that your prospective spouse meets your needs and that you share common goals and values. There are non-negotiables possibly, like respect, good character, and personality balance. Next, ask yourself, will that person help me reach my greatest potential? Do I look forward to being with that person? Do we, get, do we really get along when we're together? Do I know what's important to that individual? Imagine life without that person. Imagine how you would feel if, that, if your best friend would marry that person. Would it hurt you? Would you care? Would it mean anything to you if they walked away? It's unfortunate that I've had consultations with people who are getting ready to get engaged and couldn't answer yes to whether they would miss, miss the person or they would, it wouldn't bother them if someone else married that person. Don't feel pressure to make a decision based on societal norms. Every person is different and requires a different length of time to arrive at clarity. Some wrap it up after five dates, some wrap it up after seven, nine, ten, twelve. There's no strict number, but it's the, the most important thing is that you feel comfortable and balanced about it. On the other hand, if you've achieved clarity, more, more time dating won't change anything. It'll only cause the relationship to go stale. So if you've got the clarity and the sure-footedness to know that this person is right for you, then that's it. <clears throat> Don't be too shy or proud to seek help. If you're not sure, obviously, reach out to a dating mentor or a Robertson or a Rav who can help you, guide you through that. That's critical and that's very important.
And lastly, people have problems with commitment. And a question is asked, I've been dating a guy for the past seven months. He's wonderful in many ways, and our relationship is strong, even though it's not what I ever imagined. There are things that bother me, yet not enough to break it off. I think we're in a good place and don't feel the immediate need to move to the next stage. He's very ready for marriage, and I know that he's eager to propose in the near future. I'm not ready. I don't want to hurt him, yet I'm not sure how to get over my panic, my fear, my anxiety, and lack of clarity. I'm not ready to accept the proposal, and I'm not ready to break up. Whatever guidance and advice that you can share with me would be greatly appreciated. By the way, I was on the phone with a 26-year-old girl today who's going out two years, and the guy can't seem to get it together. And I said to her, why did you stay with him for two years? Well, we broke up several times. Well, he saw, he's got everything that I'm looking for. And I said to her, I'm not really happy about this because he, you're just going to linger on and on. Time goes on. Days of your lives are lost. So we agreed that I'm going to speak to him to see what's going on with him, if there's anything that I can do to help get this guy out of his funk and to determine if, yes, he's the right guy for her, or I should just tell her to move on. Let's hear what we would answer the individual who wrote this letter. We feel your struggle. Many people in your position want to just hold on to that comfortable dynamic that they're in right now in dating and enjoy that good time. The reality is dating is a process which is in constant motion. Either you're getting closer to your goal of marriage or further away. If you continue to leave things as is, the guy will eventually walk away. As much as he wants to marry you, he clearly wants to be in a committed relationship. If you can't provide that, he'll find someone that can. This may be hard to hear, yet it's always better to be prepared to reality rather than get lost in your projections and think he's just going to wait forever. Commitment anxiety can be the result of a problem with the relationship or a problem with the decision. Whether that person is the right person or not, you just can't pull the trigger. Often, commitment phobia is related to fears, anxieties, traumas from a bad dating experience, which in today's case that I was talking to my client, apparently it comes from a very dysfunctional home, or a divorced home can create it sometimes, unhappily married parents, the loss of a parent, fear of failure, trouble with the transition, or change. So you've got to get into that. You've got to delve into that with a therapist or a dating mentor. You've got to get that genie out of the bottle, figure it out, the elephant out of the room. And once you work that out, with Lazarus Hashem, you can be assured that Hashem will guide you. So today we had a wonderful opportunity to go through the whole progression, start to finish, especially in this time period in which many people are training for the new paradigm of video dating or telephone dating. So today we were able to go from Aleph to Taf, A to Z, and what you should know and how you should use our toolbox. But if you do have any questions out there, you can certainly reach out to me from anywhere in the world. If you need help in dating or dating selection or relationship counseling or you need help to find someone as a Shatran, my number is easy, 305-206-1916. Or email me please at drjackcohen18 at gmail.com if I can help you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and a great Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.